This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other all about it. My name is Christmas Kringle, and with me as always is my co-host, someone who's very confused. How you doing? I'm confused. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Christmas Kringle from now on. I, 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 that one was on the fly. Oh, That nice. wasn't the joke okay. I had prepped, but that came to me. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is this is going to be the last episode we, we release. Yeah, before our two-week Before break. our two-week hiatus. Yeah. We're, we're taking a little break for the holidays. We're going to go see our families. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do something special this week, which we kind of did last week, sort of. It kind of spoiled it a little bit. A little bit. But yeah. um, we're, in, instead of reading a book and summarizing it to the other person we're going to be effectively reading a book and abridging it on the show right the book is um public domain so there's no worries there and it is a book that we are both intimately familiar with um we are going to be reading a christmas carol by charles dickens awesome can we sing the muppet songs whenever they they come up i don't know them by heart no no i've i mean i've seen the movie a hundred times but um, You're the, lucky I'm not getting up and leaving Scrooge right now. Scrooge and Marley is, is the yeah, the yeah. one. Marley and Marley. Oh, Marley and Marley. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Marley yeah. and Marley. Fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. It's got mm-hmm. what, Micah Kane. I almost said mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. No. <laughs> that, although that would be He just starts amazing. shooting the other characters. Oh, no. No. <laughs> and if that doesn't date this episode. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be, we're gonna be re- jumping into this, um, and I will be abridging it as we go. So we're, we're going to read it almost verbatim. Right. Charles Dickens has a habit of, uh, so this is, the title is A Christmas Carol in Prose. Okay. And from what I can tell, in prose means using a lot more words than it needs to. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Without further ado, let's dive in. Stave one, Marley's ghost. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And then we go into a page and a half of how he's dead. Nice. Do you know how uh, dead as a doornail came to be? Uh, no. Uh, so there's this thing when you're making doors by hand Mm -hmm. from planks Mm -hmm. called dead nails. And that means you pound it in part way and then you like bend it over. And it was, it was partly to fasten the board so there's no way they would come apart. Right. So when you're pounding okay. a nail in and then you fuck it up and it bends sideways yeah. and then you just pound it the rest of the way, that was done intentionally. Oh. So dead as a doornail came from dead nails in a door. Okay. When doors were made by hand. So. <laughs> okay. Well, in that page and a half that I kind of skipped over, he yeah. ponders the question, what's so dead about a doornail? It should be a coffin. Well, nail. there you go. They're, they're, wow. Yeah. Wow. Spitting facts. Yeah. I love it. He also goes on saying Scrooge knew Marley was dead. Right. You need to know that, otherwise the rest of this isn't fantastical at all. Because if Marley wasn't dead, nothing that happens when Marley appears is, oh, is magical. Right, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's his whole point in the first like first few pages. Right, okay, okay. Marley's dead, Scrooge knows it, otherwise it's just a guy visiting his friend. And also it's not like, oh, maybe he faked his death. It's right. Like, no, 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 no. We no, know he he's is dead. dead. Yeah. There's a scene actually in the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, the uh, the animated one, well, yeah. the CGI one, uh, where they're in the funeral and Scrooge takes the two pieces over the eyes, the two copper pieces. Oh, my And he takes God. them. He swipes them just to show how miserly he is. I love that imagery. <laughs> That's a I good love touch. It. 
Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. It stands years afterwards uh, above the warehouse door. Scrooge and Marley. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge Scrooge, and sometimes they called him Marley. But he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. That's great. Money's money. I mean, it shows how completely impersonal he is. Exactly. Names do not matter. Exactly. He (laughs) does not care as long as you're there for business. Right. Uh, We go into a bit of description about Scrooge here. Miser. Right. Is the is the word a tight fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. I love this description here. Squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Oh, that's great. That's great. (laughs) It's a good it's a good description. Hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. Not a not a good person. No, very unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> he carried his own low temperature always about him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. So he's cheap. Yep. Not, yep. not going to pay for heating. <laughs> The the interesting, we're going to come up to a scene in a little bit where uh, his assistant. Okay. Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit goes for, like, asks for more coal, right, right, for the fire. The thing that always gets me is that we sympathize with Bob Cratchit because it's freezing in that office. Yeah. But Scrooge is in the same condition. It's true. Right? He doesn't heat himself either. So I, there is a, a sense to demonize Scrooge because he is being mean to Cratchit. Right. But it is not Cratchit himself that is the target. It is the world around Scrooge that is the target. It's impersonal, mm. like you said. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I never. I never thought about it that way until uh, you, you can still be incidentally an asshole. Though. Well, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. defending him. <laughs> no, no, no. He is a terrible person. Right. Um. But it, it didn't strike me that way until very recently. Right. That he, that it wasn't. He doesn't hate people. He hates the world and people are in the world. Exactly. They're going to be caught in the crossfire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There was there was something where um, I don't remember who it was, but some rich asshole uh, a lot. defended Scrooge and said, no, he's doing yes. the right thing. You remember that? I that remember happened? that. And I can see how somebody who is very good at advancing in capitalistic America mm-hmm. would sympathize with Scrooge because Scrooge contains all the elements of impersonal. Mm-hmm. unemotional capitalistic society. I mean, that's what you have to be to become heartless. One of those people yeah. <laughs> like to get that much money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we, uh, I've kind of belabored that point a bit, but okay. But I found that interesting because uh, I didn't notice that at first um, until very, very recently. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks, my dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was a clock. No man or woman ever once in all his life inquired the way to such and such a place of Scrooge. Even the blind men's dogs appeared to know him, and when they saw him coming, they would tug their owners into doorways and up uh, up courts, and then would wag their tails as though they said, No eye at all is better than an evil eye. Of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, you, you get the picture. Yep. The city clocks had only just gone three, but it was quite dark already. Man, that's a mood. That is. It had not been light all day, and candles were flaring in the windows of the neighboring offices. The fog came pouring in at every chink. Excuse me? That's what it says. And keyhole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A chink is a small opening, right? Mm -hmm. It's very small in either a fence or maybe some armor. Yeah, the the chink in the armor is the the other one. 
and the fog was so dense without that although the court was of the narrowest, the houses opposite were mere phantoms. I love that. If you look out and you can't see anything. The whole, like everything in this book that makes the atmosphere, I Mm -hmm. absolutely love the atmosphere in this book. Yeah. It's It's amazing. Very well done. There's, I used to work in a, I used to work in a grocery store that was in the, a plaza and my favorite days were when it was either like blizzarding or raining so hard you couldn't see the neon right. signs yeah. for the other stores. It was so great. The drive home always sucked though. Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so, oh, so I was, I guess I was wrong. I thought you were going somewhere else with that sentence. <laughs> Scrooge had a very small penis. <laughs> That's why he was so <laughs> horrible. <He's laughs> Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so much smaller that it looked like one coal. But he couldn't replenish it, for Scrooge kept the coal box in his own room. So surely as the clerk came in with the shovel, the master predicted that it would be necessary for them to part. Hey, don't take any more coal or else I'm going to fire you. Yeah, so maybe a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe a little bit worse than we were Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. (laughs) The clerk's sitting there in his winter clothes, like coat, comforter on, the whole whole shebang inside. Mm -hmm. Yep. A cheerful voice cries, a Merry Christmas, uncle. God save you. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach. Bah, said Scrooge. Humbug. He had so heated himself with rapid walking in the fog and frost of this nephew of Scrooge's that he was all in a glow. His face was ruddy and handsome. His eyes sparkled and his breath smoked again. Christmas a humbug, uncle, said Scrooge's nephew. You don't mean that, I'm sure. I do. I mean, you know this guy, right? Like, you know he means it. Right. But this dialogue is for us, I think. I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Well, come on then, says the nephew. What right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. (laughs) Scrooge, having no better answer ready on the spur of the moment, said bah again and followed up with humbug. That's just like the, it's the no you. Yeah. I don't have any other point to make. Leave. Don't be cross, uncle, says the nephew. Scrooge says, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. Out upon Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer? A time for balancing your books and having every item in them through a round dozen of months presented dead against you? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Damn. Brutal. Yeah. (laughs) Brutal. Uncle, pleaded the nephew. Nephew, returned the uncle. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Well, let me leave it alone then. Much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you. There's some more arguing here. The nephew basically says, hey, I mean, I love Christmas. People are different. Like he invites them to the Christmas meal, right? Well, he does. He does. Um, He says, though Christmas has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. God bless it. The clerk in the tank involuntarily applauded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you told him. (laughs) My boss. Becoming immediately sensible of the impropriety, he poked the fire and extinguished the last frail spark forever. Almost as a punishment. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, Scrooge flips and says, let me hear another sound from you and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. You're quite a powerful speaker, sir, he added, turning to his nephew. So he basically says, hey, uh, Cratchit, you shut up. Otherwise, right, you're right. gone. Nephew, um, leave. You're such a powerful speaker. I wonder you don't go into parliament as if that's something like just the ordinary person yeah, you can, can do. just do. Uh, it's it's an exaggeration. It is. It's like you're he's basically making fun of him. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come dine with us tomorrow. Scrooge said, they censor this part. What? Scrooge said that he would see him. Yes, indeed, he did. He went the whole length of the expression and said that he would see him in that extremity first. What? <laughs> he says, I'll see you in hell. Oh, okay. They censored that, huh? They, they censor it by adding three sentences to it. That's so dumb. <laughs> Scrooge, come, don't be angry, Uncle. Come dine with us tomorrow. Scrooge said, I will see you. Yes, I will see you in hell. Okay. There we go. That's fine. Yeah. Why censor it? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Then this part kind of comes out of nowhere. The nephew says, come on, why? Right. And Scrooge says, why? Well, why did you get married? Oh, yeah, because they... Right. He mm-hmm. married a poor person. Right, yeah. Because he married for love. Mm-hmm. And, man, that's foolish. That's, that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Because I fell in love. You fell in love. But she's poor. Uh, the nephew says, I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Scrooge says, good afternoon. The nephew basically says, hey, I'm not going to let you get me down. I'm going to keep my Christmas. I'm going to be happy. Right. You're welcome to join me. And Scrooge flips and says, good afternoon to like every sentence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I said good day, sir. Exactly. That's exactly the sentiment. His nephew left the room without an angry word. He stopped the door outside to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge, for he returned them cordially. Nice. Yeah. There's another fellow, muttered Scrooge, who overheard him. My clerk with 15 shillings a week and a wife and family talking about Merry Christmas. I retired to bedlam. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. This lunatic in letting Scrooge's nephew out had let two... The narrator calls Cratchit a lunatic. The narrator does. This lunatic in letting Scrooge's nephew out had let two other people in. They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands and bowed to him. Okay. I mean, I guess the narrator is from Scrooge's perspective at this point. I, I, guess, I guess this was saying is like from Scrooge's perspective. Yeah. Why would you let anyone else in? Come on. Uh, yeah, this wasn't I guess. good. That's weird. So it's not Scrooge narrating. It's no. the narrator who is from Scrooge's perspective, kind right. of. But the, narr- the narrator is also all knowing in this one. Yeah. Because right? yeah. he's telling the whole story. Right. That's mm. very weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit I don't, I don't dislike it. No, I don't either. It, it, it makes sense. And I think the narration does change a little bit. As Scrooge develops as a character. Right. Uh, One of the gentlemen says, Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. Am I addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Scrooge says, yeah, Mr. Marley's been dead for like seven years. Right. Uh, Actually, he died seven years ago this very night, Christmas Eve. There you go. Hmm. The gentleman says, we have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner, which is technically speaking true because neither of them had any. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's well, yeah, there we go. It certainly was for they had been two kindred spirits at the ominous word liberality. Scrooge frowned and shook his head and handed the credentials back to the gentleman at this festive season of the year. Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at this present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries necessities. Nope. It says necessaries, but I thought it was going to say necessities. Uh, All right. All right. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Uh, Scrooge says, are there no prisons? Yeah, there's plenty. And the union workhouses, are they still around? Well, yeah, but I wish I could say they weren't. And the treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor then, said Scrooge. They're both very busy, sir. And Scrooge says, oh, good. Well, I was afraid from what you said that something had happened to all those things. (laughs) I'm very glad to hear that they're still going. So it's interesting because Dickens was sent to a workhouse when he was young. Yes, he was a tiny. That's how he grew up. Uh, So that comes up in his works Mm -hmm, a lot. mm -hmm. Yeah, like everyone. (laughs) Yeah. 
The gentleman continues, under the impression that they are scarcely that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude, a few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat, drink, and means of warmth. Uh, we choose this time because Christmas is is a good time. People's hearts are open. What shall I put you down for? Which is a very salesman thing to do. Yes. They're not saying, are you going to donate? They're saying, how much are you exactly. going to donate? You don't it, give them the opportunity to say no. Right. You, you have to proceed as if they've already said yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, I do, hate it. <laughs> do, you know the, do you know the ABC rule? Always be closing. Always be closing. Yeah. Never give them the opportunity to say no. Otherwise, they'll say no. I'm dangling brass balls between my legs right now. No, yeah, exactly. Scrooge says, screw off. Right. Yep. The guy says, oh, you don't want me to put you down for anything? Like, you, you want to be anonymous? And he says, no, leave me alone. Right. <laughs> uh, I support the establishments I've mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Here's one of the best lines of the book. Okay. You know it, and I know it. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. Scrooge says if they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> Besides, excuse me, I don't know that. I don't know that many can't go there and many would rather die. Oh, right. Okay. He says, but you might know it. Scrooge says, it's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business, not interfere with the other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> If you don't know what's happening, you have no obligation to do anything about it. Exactly. That's how life works. Ignorance yeah. is bliss. Willful ignorance is also bliss. Right. It's not. It's very dangerous. Right. Uh, I just say right whenever you say something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the gentlemen leave. Uh, we skip through a couple of pages where some Christmas carolers show up and okay. Scrooge chases them off. Okay. And the time comes for Cratchit to leave. The counting house is closing. As Cratchit dresses Scrooge like puts his coat and scarf on him um, Scrooge says I suppose you'll want the whole day tomorrow right and Cratchit says well if quite convenient sir which is a very mm. very British way yeah like well if I mean y- yeah but like I'm not gonna impose right. and Scrooge's like no you are imposing <laughs> yeah no it's not convenient uh, it's not fair that I have to pay you a full day's wages for a, a day off he actually like, gets paid for Christmas yeah. time off yeah yeah he calls it he says um uh, he says, it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used. Right? That's better than most jobs I've had getting yeah. paid for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Uh, the clerk smiles faintly. He says, and yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. Uh, the clerk observes that, well, it's only once a year. And he says, well, that's a poor excuse for picking a man's poppet. Poppet? Poppet. Picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Hello, poppet. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. Right. Which is fair, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Cratchit promises he would. And then Scrooge leaves and there's a whole bunch of atmospheric description that I'm going to skip. Right. But bleak, foggy, yeah, yeah. creepy. Like Victorian England. Yeah. Yeah. We England didn't, is didn't always gross and bleak. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Scrooge eats his dinner, goes back home. Okay. Okay. Now it is a fact that there's nothing peculiar at all about the knocker on Scrooge's door. Except that it was very large. What knockers? Got some big knockers. (laughs) It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that place. And that Scrooge has had little of what uh, is called fancy about him as any man in the city of London. There's nothing magical about that door. Exactly. Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker without undergoing any intermediate process of change. Not a knocker, but Marley's face. He blinks and it's gone. It's just the knocker again. Right. There was nothing on the back of the door except screws and nuts that held the knocker on. So he says, poo poo, and closed it with a bang, which is just, again, a very British phrase. Poodle! 
uh, he slams it and the, the sound reverberates throughout the whole house. Scrooge doesn't light his house. He doesn't heat his house. He keeps it the same because that costs money. Right. Very in character again. I mean, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> Just lived without comforts because I don't want to pay the money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Basically, he uh, starts to make dinner, puts up a fire again. Um, he closed the door and like double locks himself in, which it says is not his custom. So something's got him a little riled. Right. I wonder what that is. Um, maybe the fact that he saw he face. Saw face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he starts a fire, but it's not a roaring fire. It's just a very, very low one, just so he can see. And as he's looking in the fire, he beholds the face of Marley, seven years dead. If each smooth tile had been a blanket first, with power to shape some picture on its surface from the disjointed fragments of his thoughts, there would have been a copy of old Marley's head on every one on the tile around his fireplace. He sees nice. he sees Marley's face in the fire, basically, yeah, and then, and then like, that reflects on every reflective surface. Exactly. Uh, Scrooge humbugs. <laughs> and starts pacing across his room like what's going on what's happening right. what's going on um after several paces he uh he sits down again and he throws his head back in the chair and happens to his glance happens to rest upon a bell that isn't used um basically it's like a servant bell but he doesn't have servants, but he doesn't have servants because right. he had to pay them so it's like it's sat there forever uh, the bell just starts to randomly ring okay yep and so does every other bell in the house oh it's fucking scary all at once it is scary he doesn't know how long it goes on but Eventually, they are succeeded by a clanking noise deep down below as if some person were dragging a heavy chain over the casks in the wine merchant's cellar. <gasps> Scrooge then remembered to have heard that ghosts in haunted houses were described as dragging chains. The cellar door flew open with the booming sound, and then he heard the noise much louder on the floors below, and coming up the stairs, coming straight towards his door. He says, it's a humbug still, and I won't believe it. <laughs> that's that's fucking scary it is it's and horrifying I, I would be oh my god I, I i would be i would be pissing yes all over the floor yes <laughs> uh so he says that but his color changes and he is terrified without a pause the ghost comes through the heavy door and passes into the room before his eyes the dying flame in the fire leaps up and the very same face that scrooge had seen marley in his pigtail usual waistcoat tights and boots and tassels on the ladder bristling like his pigtail, and his coat skirts, and the hair upon his head. The chain he drew was clasped about his middle, it was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, heavy purses, rotten steel. His body was transparent so that Scrooge observing him, looking through his waistcoat, could see two buttons on his coat behind. Wow. So his body is transparent, but his coat isn't? Uh, sure. For some reason? I don't know. Maybe it's a real coat he snagged off of somebody. Could be. Well, no, it says it's his usual coat. Oh. Maybe he went to his grave first and dug up his coat. Sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe it wasn't buried in it. Yeah. He'll Could just, be. Uh, Could be. So I need to get my fucking coat. <laughs> it's fucking gold. <laughs> uh, Scrooge doesn't believe it. He's looking through uh, the death cold eyes, the marked very texture of the folded kerchief bound about its head and chin, uh, which wrapper he had not observed before. He was still incredulous and fought against his senses. What do you want with me? Marley says much. Scrooge says, who are you? He says, ask me who I was, which is just a dick move. Yeah. It's like, just fucking answer the question, please. He says, all right. Who were you then? You're very particular for a ghost. Marley says, in life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. We knew this. Scrooge says, can you sit down? He says, I can. Well, then do it. <laughs> right? Just the common courtesies. That yeah, you yeah. Marley says, you don't believe in me. He says, no, I don't. Marley says, what evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your senses? Scrooge says, I, I don't know. Marley says, why do you doubt your senses? Scrooge says, because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You may be an undigested bit of beef, 
a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. <laughs> There's more of gravy than of grave about you. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, would, I would love to just, if I saw a ghost, be like, you fucking underdone potato. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Scrooge doesn't really crack jokes, um, nor did he feel in his heart by any means humored then, but he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention. So he's, he's trying to... He's trying to distract himself mm-hmm. with his jokes. He's not an actual funny person. Not a, not a clown. The phantom takes off the bandage around its head as if it were too warm to wear indoors. Its lower jaw dropped down upon its breast. Nice. So the lower jaw is just... Yeah, he's got... It's, it's around... Yeah. Vertically, it's a bandage on top of his head to beneath his jaw. Right, right. And he takes it off and the jaw just like falls, which is horrifying imagery. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge freaks out. Uh, and then Marley says, well, I mean, do you believe me or not? <laughs> and Scrooge is like, well, I, I do, I do. But like, why are you here? Marley says it is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world and witness what it cannot share, but might've shared on earth and turn to happiness. So if you don't go out into the world in life, you're right. going to end death. Is the point there to, to learn what you missed? Right. Okay. Right. What you might've helped. Scrooge says, you are fettered. Tell me why he says, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it of my own free will and of my own free will. I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was full and heavy as this one oh, seven years yeah. ago. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> chain me, daddy. <laughs> You have labored on it since it is a ponder. <laughs> labored on it, yeah. Scrooge says, yo, do you have any good news? Because, like, right. you're kind of bumming me out. Mm-hmm. No, says the ghost. Except that it'll be visited again. Right. He says, well, I don't have good news, but good news is going to come from other places. I can't tell you what I want to tell you, though. Um, a very little more time is permitted to me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay or linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. In my life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. And weary journeys lie before me. You must have been very slow about it, Jacob, said Scrooge. Slow? Seven years dead and traveling all that time? The whole time. No rest, no peace, incessant torture of remorse. You travel fast? On the wings of the wind. You might have got over a great quantity of ground in seven years. The ghost, on hearing this, is like, The fuck? (laughs) Clanked his chain so hideously in the dead silence of the night that the ward would have been justified in indicting it for a nuisance. The, someone, someone would have called the cops because he's yeah, so loud. Exactly. Right. Filed the noise. Complaint. Okay. The phantom says, Oh, captive bound and double ironed, not to know that ages of incessant labor by immortal creatures for this earth must pass into eternity before the good of which it is susceptible is all developed. Not to know that any Christian spirit working kindly in this little sphere, whatever it may be, will find its mortal life too short for its vast means of usefulness. Not to know that the space, no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunity misused. Yet such was I. Oh, such was I. Basically saying, hey, uh, there's too much evil in the world and right. you got to try to help where you can. Otherwise, like, otherwise you're going to have to do that when you're dead. But also there's too much for one person to do. Right. Scrooge says, but you were always a good man of business. And the ghost replies in another one of the classic lines. Business. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. 
At this time of the rolling year, I suffer most. Why did I walk through the crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to the poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light would have conducted me? Hear me, my time is nearly gone. Scrooge says, I will, but like, come on, bro, chill. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he says, how is it that I appear before you in a shape that you can see? I may not tell. I have sat invisible beside you many and many a day. Scrooge is a little creeped out by that. Right. Like, right. You've, been, you've been stalking me? He says, you are always a good friend to me. Thank you, Marley. Marley says, yeah, you're going to be haunted. <laughs> by the way. Um, by three spirits. Scrooge is like, what? He says, yeah. Um, and, and, and by the way, this is like the, this is the chance that I, that I talked about. Like, this is your opportunity. Right. Three more ghosts are going to be coming. I think I'd rather not. No, no, no. You're getting them. <laughs> Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Scrooge says, well, can I have them all at once? He says, no. <laughs> You get the second one when the bell tolls two and the third. No, no, no. I'm sorry. When the bell tolls one tomorrow, when the bell tolls one, the second one on the next night at the same hour and the third one on the next night at the same hour, look to see me no more and look that for your own sake, you remember what has passed between us. When it said these words, the specter took its wrapper wrapper from the table, bound it round its head as before. Scrooge knew this by the smart sound its teeth made when its jaws were brought together by the bandage. So the whole time he's been talking like, I don't think it was actually moving its mouth to talk. Right. But yeah. You could just hear what he was yeah. thinking, I guess. Yeah. Also, this takes place over three nights or four. It's supposed to be three. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how I forgot that detail. Well. I always think it's like the same night. It, it kind of is. Okay. So it's supposed to be three days, but then he kind of goes back in time. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Because really, he, he, like, no, no time passes. So he, the ghosts come at one o'clock. Right. Then he wakes up and then immediately the next ghost comes. So either he slept for like a full day. Yeah. Or that part just kind of got forgotten about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that confuses me. Yeah. The apparition walks backwards uh, out of a window and at every step, the window raises itself a little so that when the specter reached it, the window was wide open. Uh, it beckons Scrooge to approach, which he did. And when they were within two paces of each other, Marley's ghost held up its hand, warning him to come no nearer. Scrooge stopped, but not in obedience as in fear. For on the raising of his hand, he became sensible of uh, confused noises in the air, incoherent sounds of lamentation and regret, wailings inexpressibly sorrowful and self-accusatory. He's hearing the moans and the dirges of, of, the, the, damned. of the damned who can't help. Right. Scrooge follows to the window, desperate in his curiosity. The air was filled with phantoms wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them in chains like Marley's ghost. Some few linked together, none were free. Many had been personally known to Scrooge in their lives. He'd been f- quite familiar with one old ghost in a white waistcoat uh, with a monstrous iron safe attached to his ankle who cried piteously at being unable to assist a wretched woman with an infant whom it saw below. Horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. Scrooge closes the window and examines the door by which the ghost had entered. It was still locked. He says humbug and being from the emotion that he had undergone or fatigues from the day or the glimpse of his invisible world or the dull conversation with the ghost or the lateness of the hour, he went straight to bed without undressing, and fell asleep upon the instant. Okay. That is stave one. Stave two, the first of the three spirits. When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark it was looking out of bed, uh, he could scarcely diminish, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of his chamber. He was endeavoring to pierce the darkness when the chimes of neighboring church struck the four quarters, so he listened for the hour. <gasps> it went from six to seven, from seven to eight, regularly up to twelve, and then stopped. Twelve, it was past two when he went to bed. The clock was wrong. An icicle must have gotten into the works. 12 o'clock. That's insane. Right, right. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. It's like time is fucky. Uh, Scrooge checks another clock. Still 12. 
He's like, that's not possible. I can't have slept through a whole day and far into the next night. It's not possible. I've done that. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've literally, uh, I've done both where I fall asleep and it's dark and mm-hmm. I wake up and it's dark mm-hmm. and I'm like, fuck. And then I've also started working on something and the sun goes down, mm-hmm. but I don't notice. So like it's, it's sun out. And then when I'm done working on it, the sun is coming up and I'm yep. like, what? Yep. I've, I've time traveled. <laughs> yep. No, I, uh. I have, there's a, a few times I can distinctly remember. I have, I, I would go to one time, I think I went to bed at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> I think I went to bed at eight o'clock at night and I woke up at 10 o'clock the next night. Oh man. Yeah. It was when I was working third shift and I had gone to like a retreat yeah. and I had been up for like 48 hours. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So then I came home and I just slept for ever. Yeah. Felt great. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge flips out. He... Comes out of bed, goes back to bed. He's just like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. Uh, he's debating whether it's a dream or not. He is like freaking out. Right. He hears the chimes again. This time it's one o'clock and nothing happens. So the ghost must have been wrong. It must have been. a dream. Yeah. Nothing happened at one. Fucking light ghost. Uh, but he spoke before the hour bell actually sounded. Oh, so when it does, a light flashes up in the room instantly and the curtains of his bed were drawn. So he's in his bed, tucked behind his curtains. Right. And they just fly open and there's a bright light in his room. That's terrifying. I would shit a brick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would dig a hole into my mattress. Yep. Yep. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Not the curtains at his feet, nor the ones at his back, but those to which his face was addressed. So the curtains he's looking at are drawn aside. Scrooge stares up into the half recumbent attitude. Found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. As close to it as I am now to you, and I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. So Charles Dickens is right there. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he's saying that it was also right there. It was a strange figure, like a child, but not the uh, 13 or 30 subreddit. Right. Is it, does it have progeria or something? I don't know. Um, it was like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to the child's proportions. Uh, its hair hung about its neck and down its back. It was white as if with age, but the face had not a wrinkle in it. Oh, not progeria. It held up a branch of fresh green holly in its hand, and its dress was trimmed with summer flowers. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head, there sprung a bright, clear jet of light by which all of this was visible. So it's got like a flame. A unicorn horn. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, its forehead chakra is open. Yeah. <laughs> it's ready to, to unleash all of the good light energy into him. It also has a um, an extinguisher cap, which is something that you put on a candle to put it out. Oh. It, it's holding one of those under its arm. Interesting. So it can douse itself. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a thing. Scrooge flips a lot. That that happens a lot. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. There's a lot of paragraphs of Scrooge freaking out. Right. I'm just gonna say he flips. Okay. <laughs> he says, "Are you the spirit of who <laughs> whose coming was foretold to me?" The spirit simply says, "Bruh." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, that'd be funny if it was just an unrelated spirit. <laughs> just like, hello. Nah, is this, uh, is this Jimmy Johnson's house? No? Shit. <laughs> Step through the wrong portal. Uh, the Scrooge, uh, the, the Scrooge, the spirit says, I am. And he says, Scrooge says, who and what are you? He says, I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. So apparently each of us have, uh, have these ghosts as well. Well, so each of us have. A ghost of our past. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he flips and he wants to, 
he wants to cover like he wants to grab the cap and extinguish the spirit okay he wants to do that <laughs> the spirit says but come on like are you gonna really put me out this quickly really he can well, he says he, he this is what the ghost is saying he's like do you really want to do that okay do you so really want to do that he has the option we don't know if the ghost is taunting him okay okay he says it's not enough that you're one of those whose passions made this cap and forced me through the whole trains of years to wear it low upon my brow scrooge says why are you here the ghost says your welfare scrooge says thank you but no thank you right he says your reclamation then take heed it put out its strong hand as it spoke and clapped him uh, clasped him gently by the arm rise and walk with me scrooge goes without a choice right uh they go to the window and scrooge says we're not going to go out there i'm I'm immortal i'm gonna fall right he says no 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 no. just touch my hand and you'll be fine as the words were spoken they passed through the wall and stood upon the open open country road with fields on either hand the city had entirely vanished not a vestige of it was to be seen the darkness in the mist had vanished with it for it was clear cold a beautiful winter's day with snow upon the ground uh scrooge says i a, a very weird phrase here. Okay. <laughs> Good heaven, said Scrooge, clasping his hand together as he looked about him. I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. I don't like the phrase, I was, I was bred in this I place. I was bred, unless you were literally a loaf of bread at one point. <laughs> Not that kind of bread, it's B-R-E-D. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that phrase. But he's I, like, I know what he's saying, he's like, I, this was where I was raised. Right, yeah. But Nostalgia! The ghost says, your lip is trembling, and what's that upon your cheek? Scrooge was so overcome that he started to cry. Just a little. He's an easy egg to crack. Yeah, he is. All you got to do is show two ghosts to him and he's crying. Yeah. Come on. What a bitch. (laughs) Uh, Scrooge collects himself and the spirit says, do you remember the way? He says, I could walk it blindfolded. Well, let's go then. So they go. The spirit says, these are but the shadows of things that have been. They have no consciousness of us as they see some figures uh, in the distance shouting at each other. These are projections of my unconscious mind. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This is inception. That's your consciousness. Right. I'm Mr. Charles. (laughs) Don't acknowledge him. Don't look at him. Ignore my wife who's about to stab you. (laughs) Everyone is leaving for Christmas, but not everyone. The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child neglected by his friends is left there still. It's a very, like, boarding school thing. Yeah. Right? Like, Harry Potter does the same thing. I have no friends. I have no friends, and just this random woman I met is making me a sweater because I'm friends with her son. There's there's a whole bunch here, including a gentleman named Alibaba. Okay. Which is, I mean, I don't know if that's a real name, but... Mm. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff here about a genie, and st- I don't even know what he's talking about. What? Yeah, he's like... The Sultan's groom turned upside down by the genie. There he is upon his head. Serve him right. I'm glad of it. What business had he to be married to the princess? I think he's reading a book. Okay. (laughs) I think he's reading a book and he's like, this is the book that I read as a kid. But I don't know. Anyway, um, Scrooge is happy. He's like, oh, it's this thing. Oh, it's that thing. Right. Oh, look. There's a parrot. Green body and yellow tail with its thing like with a thing like lettuce growing out the top of its head. I don't think that's how parrots look. A cockatiel, maybe. 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 Uh, but yeah, he's freaking out. And then he sees himself alone in the classroom. And he says, poor boy. Uh, Scrooge says something. He says, I wish, but no, it's too late. The ghost says, no, no, no. What's going on? He's nothing, nothing. <laughs> well, there was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. And I, I should have liked to give him something. That's all. Okay. Which, which is a huge step. That is a huge step. Yeah. I'm actually surprised how quickly he's like developing. Yeah. It is a short story though. It so. is. It is. The ghost smiles thoughtfully and then waves his hand and says, let's see another Christmas. Uh, now, I thought he was going to say, let's see your cock. 
<laughs> what is it with you and Scrooge's dick? I don't know. That's just where my head's at right now. I it's, don't know why. I mean, it's funny. I'm thinking of Michael Caine. That's all. Mark Caine. Do you want to see his cock? Kind of, yeah. So they flash forward, and now Scrooge sees himself again at a very young age, except his young self. So he isn't reading. So he was reading a book. Right. Which is where the random mention of a genie came in. Yeah, which yeah. Which was hilarious. But he's looking anxiously at the door. Uh, the door opens, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, comes in. Uh, puts his puts her arms around his neck and kisses him and says, "Dear, dear brother, I've come to bring you home." And he says, "Home, little fan, yes, home for good, forever and ever." Father is so much kinder than he used to be. Home is like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one night when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said yes. So now I'm here. What do you think he says in response to that? To to his sister yes. taking him home yes. to a loving father. Yes, bah humbug. He says, you are quite a woman, little fan. Cool. Why does he say little fan? Well, she's a little sister. Oh, I was thinking older sister. No. Her name is Fan? Her name is Fan. F-A-N. Fan. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You're my biggest fan. Hey, she's a little fan. (laughs) You're my littlest fan. (laughs) I just think it's weird that she's like, you're coming home. Like, dad sent me to bring you home. And he's like, wow, you're you're a woman now. (laughs) I don't know if that's exactly what it meant. It's not. But, (laughs) you know. Woman. Vocabulary changes with connotation right. and with age. I think it's supposed to be like a, a kind of encouraging. You're like what a good job. Says you're quite a woman. Yeah, you're like, you're wow. really adult. Holy cow. And how you're acting, I, yeah. g- I guess. Like that's awesome. I guess. <laughs> I did great. Good yeah. on you. It's like when a, when a little kid helps you move something. Yeah. And you're like, uh like, oh, you did it. Thanks, little man. Thanks. You, but, yeah. Oh, good good for you. Yeah. Good for you. To get his stuff, a lot of stuff. And the ghost says, Fan was always a delicate creature with whom a breath might have withered, but she had a very large heart. Scrooge says, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to say you're wrong because you're right. The ghost says she died a woman and had, as I think, children. His nephew? His nephew. One child. True, your nephew. Scrooge says, yeah, you're right. Which just makes sense. There's no, that's not a revelation. Right. (laughs) Oh no, your sister had a kid. Wonder who that could be. Yeah, that that's uh, uh whatever expository. Yeah, just that's where his nephew came from. It's prose. Uh, they flash forward again. This time, the ghost stops at a certain warehouse door and asks if Scrooge knew it. He says, "Know it? I was apprenticed here." So this is where he learned his trade. Right. This is a very big scene that I'm going to skip ninety percent of. Okay. But it's my favorite scene in this book. Oh, okay. This is my favorite scene. This is Fezziwig's party. Okay. So Fezziwig is the. Uh, the gentleman who taught Scrooge his trade. Right. Scrooge and someone else who we only know as Dick Wilkins. <laughs> Scrooge flips out. He's like, yo, I remember this. Like, this was awesome. Fezziwig throws a huge party. Scrooge meets a girl. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Not little fan, just fantastic. Okay. And adult Scrooge, like Scrooge now, gets into the spirit and, you know, they stay for the whole party. Yeah. And he's starting to jig. This was great. Feels better. And Scrooge is actually getting sentimental. And the ghost is like, hey, come on. Come on. And Scrooge's like, no, no, no. No, it's not true. He's like, yeah, it is. Come no, on, it's not. Little like, guy. You know you, wanna, you know you want to let loose. Uh, and then the spirit says, no, my, my time grows short quick. There's one more we need to do. I hate that expression, grows short. Grows short. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah. Don't. My time <laughs> diminishes. Yeah. My time is up. My time is fading. My time is shortening. Yeah. <laughs> My time is good for making biscuits. <laughs> shortening. That's. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're shortening to make biscuits or not, but. 
They flash forward and now Scrooge is by the side of that young girl, the, the one he met at the party. She says, it matters little to you, very little. Another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer comfort you in this time, I have no just cause to grieve. Scrooge says, what idol has displaced you? She says, a golden one. He defends himself. He says, no, this is just the way you got to live. Like you, you have to be money conscious. Otherwise mm. you're not going to live. Like you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to be poor. And she says, you fear the world too much. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of being beyond the chance of its sordid reproach. I have seen your noble aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you. He says, what then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, so what then? I'm not changed towards you. She's like, bruh. (laughs) He's like, am I? She says, our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until in good season we can improve our worldly fortune. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. I'm leaving you, basically, is what she's saying. She's saying, you you aren't happy with me. I don't want to hold you up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go get myself happy. Uh, He says, have I ever sought release? She says, no. But then what makes you think I do? She says, well, because I'm leaving you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paraphrasing again, as, as you can tell. The memory of what is past half makes me hope you will have pain in this. A very, very brief time. And you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it will happen uh, well that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Then she leaves. Scrooge, real Scrooge, is sad. Mm-hmm. He says, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me, show? The ghost says, one shadow more. So when his time's growing short, I guess he meant we're halfway done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, we're running out of time. You got to see this. Actually. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang let's, on. Let's make a stop. No more, says Scrooge. I don't want to see any more. But the ghost, like, puts him in a full Nelson. <laughs> she says it pinions him in both his arms. And wow. Him to observe okay. So, like, actually does. Yeah. Okay. Like, You're going to watch this. Uh, they flash to another scene. The ghost holds his eyes open like in Bird Box. Yeah, exactly. Like, you will watch. They flash to another house and Scrooge sees that woman talking to someone who comes to her house. Okay. She says, Belle, I, I ran into an old friend of yours, Mr. Scrooge. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah, he's not really an old friend. Yeah. <laughs> we find out this was seven years ago because he says, I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death. And there he sat alone, quite alone in the world. She's like, I still don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Scrooge says, please take me from here. And the ghost is like, yeah, but I mean, these things already happened. Right. So like, right. they shouldn't bother you. Yeah. Scrooge extinguishes the flame. He grabs the, grabs the extinguisher, puts it over the head. Oh. Spirit disappears. Uh, it's like a Dark Souls boss or something it's very interesting i love it's it's yeah. very very gothic yeah i love it scrooge basically passes out on his bed so he he extinguishes the flame wakes up in his bed passes out again okay yep this is save three the second of three spirits okay scrooge wakes again he's again saying was that a dream what's what's happening now he's prepared for almost anything he was not by any means prepared for nothing and when the bell struck one and no shape appeared he was taken with a violent fit trembling five minutes ten minutes a quarter of an hour went by yet nothing happened all this time he lay upon his bed in the very core uh, a center of a blaze of ruddy light which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour and which being the only light was more alarming than a dozen ghosts nothing happens except a light appears right he gets up puts on his slippers goes to the door and the moment his hand was on the lock a strange voice called him by name and bade him enter he obeyed he sees a feast so he goes to the door to his bedroom, opens it. Yes. And it's in a whole different place. Yes. For the feast. Okay. Well, no. 
Not a whole different place. <laughs> okay, I'm wrong. Okay. I thought it was, but because in a lot of places it is, and a lot of the the adapt- adaptations. Yeah. But this is no. It was his own room. There's no doubt about that. But it had undergone a surprising transformation. So it looks like a different place. Okay. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened. Uh, the crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light as if so many little mirrors had been scattered there. And such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney. There's all kinds of food that he describes. Right. And there is a jolly giant bathed in green. Not bathed, clothed. Clothed in green. Right. Okay. The jolly green giant. Scrooge enters and... The giant introduced himself. He says, I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. Scrooge does. He says, have you ever seen anyone like me? No. You've never walked forth with the younger members of my family, meaning my elder brothers born in these later years? No, I don't think so. Do you have many brothers? More than 1,800. A tremendous family to provide for, says Scrooge. There's one born every year. Okay. So he's the ghost this year. So all his 1,800 brothers. Oh, the, because the present is constantly changing. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So this started 1,800 years ago? Apparently, according to this, yeah. Christmas started at year zero AD. <laughs> okay. And didn't exist prior, which from a religious standpoint kind of makes sense. Well. Except that Christmas didn't start at year zero. Yeah, no. And, and uh, uh, because Christmas hijacked a pagan yeah. ceremony and. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff to that. There's a, but it's for, complicated. <laughs> for lack of a better. He doesn't give an exact. Right. So it doesn't start at exactly year zero because it just says more than 1800. It right. Give, you know, it's, there's room for Dickinson error. was sitting there like scratching his head and he was like, fucking more than 1800, whatever. Yeah. And so was Dickens. <laughs> you said Dickinson. Yeah. His son wrote it. Dickens' son. <laughs> Scrooge says, all right, fine, just get this over. Last night I went forth on compulsion, but I learned a lesson, which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. So, so he's like, just get, tell me what I need to exactly. know. Exactly. He's like, look, last night they forced me into it. Tonight I'll go willingly. Yeah, yeah. He says, touch my robe. So he does. The whole room disappears and he's transported again. This time he goes to... Uh, a neighborhood where the house fronts looked black enough and the windows blacker, contrasting with the smooth white sheet of snow upon the roofs. The people who were shoveling away on the housetops were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another from the parapets, and now and then exchanging a facetious snowball, better-natured missile far uh, than many a wordy jest. Laughing heartily if it went right, and not less heartily if it went wrong, the poulterer shops were still open, uh, the fruiters were radiant in their glory. I want to be a fruiterer. <laughs> You are pretty fruity. Hey, there were great round pot-bellied baskets of chestnuts shaped like the waistcoats of jolly old gentlemen lolling at the doors <laughs> and tumbling out into the street in their uh, apoplectic opulence. That's a good name. Uh, apoplectic opulence. Mm-hmm. Apoplectic. Hmm. It's a good word. Yeah. Oh my God. I lost my place. In time, the bell ceased and the bakers were shut up and there was genial shadowing forth of all these dinners and the progress of their cooking in the thawed blotch of wet above each baker's oven, where the pavement smoked as if the stones were cooking too. Did you ever see the thing where um, there's houses that have been caught as, like, meth labs and, and marijuana oh, growers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the snow on the roof is melted? Yeah, it's all Love hot. It. <laughs> Love it. The spirit goes forth, and on not all of the dinners, but a lot of them, he'll sprinkle a little seasoning on them. And Scrooge says, is there a particular flavor which you sprinkle from your, ro- or from your torch? He says, my own. <laughs> It's weird. (laughs) Would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day? To any kindly given? To a poor one most? Why do a poor one most? Because it needs the most. (laughs) I will just put some of my special seasoning on this meal. (laughs) Spirit, says Scrooge. 
I wonder you of all beings in the many world about us should desire to cramp these people's opportunities of innocence, enjoyment. I, you would deprive them of their means of dining every seventh day, often the only day in which they can be said to dine at all, wouldn't you? The spirit says, I, he says, you seek to close these places on the seventh day, and it comes to the same thing. The spirit says, I seek. So he's basically saying, like, if you're so good, why do you close these shops and everything where they can where they can get food like and people right. are working? Why are you closing that every seven days? And the spirit's like, what do you mean me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge says, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it has been done in your name or at least in that of your family. The spirit says, there are some upon this earth of yours who lay claim to know us and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, mm-hmm. who are as strange to us and all our kith and kin as if they had never lived. Remember that and charge their doings on themselves, not us. That's great. It is. It's very good. Very yeah. good. Hey, evil exists and it can be done in any way, in any yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Scrooge promised that he would and they move on. They go to Cratchit's house. Okay. And Scrooge is like, wow, this is where he lives, but I only pay him like 15 bob a week. How can he like afford a place? <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was poorer than this. Then up rose Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit's wife. Yes. Uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They get ready for dinner. And now two smaller Cratchits, a boy and a girl, come tearing in, screaming that outside the bakers, they had smelt the goose and known it for their own. And basking luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, these young Cratchits danced about the table and exalted Master Peter Cratchit to the skies, while he blew the fire until the slow potatoes bubbling up knocked loudly at the saucepan lid to be let out and peeled. What has ever got your precious father then, said Mrs. Cratchit, and your brother, Tiny Tim. And Martha wasn't as late last Christmas Day by half an hour. Here's Martha, mother, says a girl, appearing as she spoke. Here's Martha, mother, cried the two young Cratchits. There's such a goose, Martha. There isn't. No goose. No goose. Right. Yeah. But they're all like, well, I mean, it's fine because we're family and we're together. And yeah. Vin Diesel shows up for some reason. <laughs> they play a joke on on Bob Cratchit because he's coming back with Tiny Tim. And yeah. when they hear him coming up the steps, Martha hides. And then he comes in and they're, he's like, oh, where's Martha? And she's like, well, Martha said she couldn't make it. And he's like, oh, that's really sad. And then she comes out and she's like, no, I'm here. Don't let them fool you. Like, but it was your idea. What? <laughs> so they're like, she couldn't make it. And then she comes out of the next room. She's like, I, did, I, I got you. I, I get what happened. Pranked you. But this is the worst prank ever. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Scratchit says, how did little tiny Tim behave at church? And Bob says, as good as gold and better. Um, he told me coming home that he hoped people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant for them upon Christmas Day to remember who made lame beggars walk in blind men's see. Nobody, no. especially no kids, think that way. No. <laughs> especially not a cripple kid. He's just like, I don't want anyone to look at me. Yeah. But this is a nice cripple kid. Sure. Tiny Tim. They throw a feast even though they have a feast. They don't have a feast. Um, there is a tiny bird. And Bob says, there never was such a goose. They're all good-hearted, good-natured. Lots of fun ensues. There's a pudding that's fantastic. They, there's more pudding. This is, there's so much pudding. It's Britishness. Yeah. Got to put. Yeah. There's custard as well. You're putting like, in I custard. Like custard. I love custard. Yeah. Custard's great. Bob serves it out with beaming looks while the chestnuts on the fire sputter and crackle noisily. Then Bob proposed a Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. And Tim says, God bless us, everyone. Word for word. <laughs> and they're like, just shut, shut up, please. <laughs> Please shut up. Stop pretending like you're better than everyone. <laughs> Don't be happy. We know it's fake. <laughs> we know you're miserable inside. Scrooge says, Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. The Spirit says, yeah, he gonna die. That, yeah, that was like a thing back in the day. 
you just you could just die. Right. But I mean, he, you could do that now. You could do that now. But yeah, no. It was it, it was advanced death back then. <laughs> it was. The spirit <laughs> says, I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. How? How? He is the ghost of Christmas present. How the fuck can he see the future? If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. Plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know his powers. He's the ghost of Christmas present. Right. But apparently he can also see what, what effect the present has on the future. I mean, which kind of negates the need for the future. Okay. Let, okay. Here's my theory. Yeah. He's got over 1800 brothers. Yes. So each ghost of Christmas present, mm-hmm. uh, it is, is born in that present mm-hmm. and then they live forever mm-hmm. and they are all part of a shared consciousness. Ah. So he shares a consciousness with one that isn't ex- existing. Yet. So what you're saying is he has the power of all the Sith. <laughs> No, that's not what I'm saying. He he is using the consciousness of the Ghost of Christmas Present of then. Yeah. Which isn't born yet, but right. Really. Okay. But it, it exists, just not yet. Okay. So he's connected okay. to that. I get <laughs> that, behind I, that. I guess. Sure, why not? Look, it's more lore than we get. It's more lore than it's in the sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scrooge is sad. But the ghost says, well, I mean, who cares? If he's going to be die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. You know, the quote Scrooge said from earlier. Scrooge hangs his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit, and he's overcome with penitence and grief. Man, said the ghost. <laughs> I, it just says man. And, you know, that's man, man, if man, you be in heart, not adamant, forbear that wicked can't until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide what men shall live? What men shall die? Many that live deserve death. Some that <laughs> die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? You are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. To hear the insect on the leaf pronouncing on the too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust. So he's like, lol, kill yourself. He's saying like, you have more reason, like you have so much more than these people, but you are such a shit person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you deserve to live less than exactly. someone who has nothing. Scrooge bends before the ghost rebuke. Oh, he bends over. Yeah. Mm. And he trembles and he casts his eyes upon the ground. And then he raises him speedily upon hearing his own name. For at that moment, Mr. Cratchit says, Mr. Scrooge, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. He's dedicating the meal to him? Pretty much. He's like, Scrooge okay. Scrooge enabled all of this to happen. Okay, okay. And his wife's like, indeed, I wish I'd had him here. I'll give him a piece of my mind. And Bob's like, oh, come on, it's Christmas. <laughs> come on. And she says, well, I'll drink his health. Or, uh, I'll drink his health for the day, but not for him. There you go. There yep. you go. Close enough. And they all say, itadakimasu. They dig in. Sure. <laughs> Prost. It means, it means, uh, let's eat. <laughs> okay. Weeb. <laughs> then they dig in, which I thought they'd already dug in, but like, they're digging in. They talk about Peter, Cratchit's oldest son, and how he's got to find a job soon. That won't come up again. This time it's getting pretty dark. They take him to another house. And this house is a place, it says a place where miners live. Miners like coal miners. Blue mine, yeah. Yes. Uh, who labor in the bowels of the earth. But they know me, see? Uh, a light shone from the window of a hut, and swiftly they advanced towards it. Passing through the wall and mu- of mud and stone, they found a cheerful company assembled round a glowing fire. An old man and woman with their children and their children's children, and another generation beyond that, all decked out gaily in their holiday attire. The old man, in a voice that seldom rose above the howling of the wind upon the barren waste, was singing a Christmas song. It had been a very old song when he was a boy, and from time to time they all joined in the chorus. The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge hold his robe in passing above the door, uh, ab- above the moor, 
sped towards sea. They observe Christmas on a ship. The sailors all making merry. Bunch of bunch of seamen. Two a bunch of loads yep, of seamen. A, <laughs> a boatload of seamen. But even uh, they they go out to an island, and two men who are watching the light and made a fire, and through the loophole uh, shed a ray of brightness in an awful sea, joining their oh I hate this. <laughs> Joining their horny hands over the oh, rough table at which what? they sat. What? <laughs> they wished each other Merry Christmas in their can of grog. And one of them, the other two, with his face all damaged and scarred in hard weather, as the figurehead of an old ship might be, struck up a sturdy song that was like a gale in itself. What possible interpretation? I'm thinking be? weathered and bony. That's what I'm thinking is just literally like horns. That's yeah. what their fingers are like. Yeah. But man, <laughs> phrasing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the lighthouse. <laughs> they go to another house. This house is the house of Scrooge's nephew. Okay. Ha ha. He's having a party. Ha ha. Laughed Scrooge's nephew. Ha ha ha. It should happen by unlikely chance to know a man more blessed in a laugh than Scrooge's nephew. And all I can say is I should like to know him too. Introduce him to me and I'll cultivate his acquaintance. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he, the narrator is saying... He is a wonderful guy to be around when he's happy. And if you know someone like him, then I would like to meet him. You're right. He's like, this is the most joyous, You're exactly happy right. guy ever. You know, I so. like to think I emulate that. Eh. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Usually you're pretty happy and friendly, but then every now and then you'll just shut down <laughs> so, like a conversation or something. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no. <laughs> the next line is also ha 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 ha. A lot of laughing. He said that Christmas was a humbug. Yeah, I mean, come on. He said it was a humbug. I'm, I'm not joshing you, man. And everybody's like, what the fuck is a humbug? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he believed it too, though. He believed it. More shame for him, Fred, said Scrooge's niece indignantly. <laughs> Bless those women. They never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. Uh, okay. That's what it says. Sounds like a compliment, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess. She's very pretty. This is the niece. So this is the, the woman that his nephew married that he didn't want her to. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge's nephew says he's a comical old fellow. That's the truth and not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment and I have nothing to say against him. So he's saying any evil that befalls him is his own doing, but I love him anyway. Right. Like I'm not going to wish ill on him because he brings it on himself. Right. Exactly. I'm sure he's very rich, Fred, hinted Scrooge's niece. At least you always tell me so. So what? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do anything with it. Uh, it doesn't make him comfortable. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking that he's ever going to benefit us with it. I have no patience with him, observed Scrooge's niece. Oh, I have, said Scrooge's nephew. I'm sorry for him. I, I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims himself, always. Here he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come dine with us. What's the consequence? He doesn't lose much of a dinner. He don't lose much of a dinner? <laughs> Our dinner's awesome and he's not getting any. Sure. They have a party. There's uh, some more where he says, uh, Scrooge's nephew says, I'm only going to say that the consequence of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is that he loses some pleasant moments, which could do uh, him no harm. I'm sure he loses pleasanter com companions than he can find in his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or his dusty chambers. But I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. He may rail at Christmas until he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it. I defy him. He finds me going there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? If it only puts him in the vein to leave his poor clerk 50 pounds, that's something. And I think that I shook him yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go despite him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Been there. Uh, everyone else laughs. They have some tea. There's some music. They play some games. 
Fred says he's given us plenty of merriment, I am sure, and it would be ungrateful not to drink his health, so they're going to toast him too. Right. They all do, even if it's satire. The Scrooge and the Spirit, to go and see more Christmases. Um, it's a long night, but Scrooge had his doubts of if it was just one night, because they they see so many people and do, do so many things that it can't be one night. Right. So he's thinking he's just going back and forth over the same loop, which makes sense. Right, right. But now the ghost begins to look older, clearly older. Scrooge had observed this change. Uh, he says, are spirits' lives so short? He says, my life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. Scrooge says, tonight? He says, tonight at midnight. The time is drawing near. Scrooge says, forgive me if I'm not justified in what I ask, but I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? Spirit says, it might be a claw for the flesh there is upon it. Look here. From the foldings of his robe, it brought two children. Wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. I forgot about them. They knelt down at his feet and clung upon the outside of his garment. The ghost says, look here. They were a boy and a girl. They look hideous. Right. Yeah. Scrooge, Sp- Scrooge says, spirit, are they yours? They said, they, spirit says, they are man's. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance and this girl is want. Beware them both. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow, I see that written, which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Slander those who tell it ye, admit it for your fascist, factious purposes and make it worse and abide the end have they no refuge or resource are there no prisons are there no workhouses and then the bell struck and the ghost fades this ghost is spitting bars right in his face he is of all the shit he said before it's interesting though again that we talked about willful ignorance being very dangerous and now he's yeah. saying beware of ignorance right stay four the last of the spirits we're almost done this okay. one goes by very quick this is the dementor this is the dementor <laughs> a dementor appears okay <laughs> No, uh, it just says the phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached. Um, it was shrouded in a deep black garment, which so it's a ring wraith as well. Right, right. Which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. And except for this hand, it would have been difficult to detach its figure from the night and separate it from the darkness which it was surrounded. Scrooge says, am I the, in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? The spirit points onward with its hand, saying nothing. You are about to show me the shadows of the things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Is that so? The figure points. Although well used to ghostly company at this time, Scrooge feared the silent shape so much that his legs trembled beneath him, and he found that he could hardly stand when he prepared to follow it. The spirit paused a moment, observing, and giving him time to recover, but Scrooge was all the worse for this. It thrilled him with a vague uncertain horror to know that behind the dusky shroud there were ghostly eyes intent, uh, intently fixed upon him. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen, but as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? It points onward, giving no reply. I want uh, an iteration of this story where it's just a really hungover guy in a bathrobe who's just like, (laughs) just pointing. (laughs) So he doesn't want to fucking talk because his head is pounding. (laughs) Lead on, says Scrooge. Lead on. The night is waning and it's precious time to me. I know. Lead on. Phantom moves away and they scarcely seem to enter the city for the city rather seemed to spring about them. And encompasses them of its own act. But there they were in the heart of it. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of business. Observing the hand was pointed to them, Scrooge advanced to listen to the businessman's talk. No, said a great fat man with a monstrous chin. Mood. <laughs> I don't know much about it either way. I only know that he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. What was the matter with him? I thought he would never die. Eh, who knows? What has he done with his money? Uh, who knows? I haven't heard. He left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. 
It is very likely a cheap funeral, for upon my life I don't know anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if lunch is provided, but I must be fed if I make one. I feel that. Me too. Well, I'm most disinterested among you, after all. For I never wear black gloves, and I never eat lunch. But I'll offer to go if anybody else will. When I come to think of it, I'm not at all sure that I wasn't his most particular friend, for we used to stop and speak whenever we met. Bye bye. Speakers and listeners strolled away, mixed with each other, uh, mixed with other groups. Scrooge knew the men and looked towards the spirit for an explanation. The phantom says nothing, gliding onto a street and pointing its finger to the uh, to two persons meeting. Scrooge listens again. Old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? So I'm told. Cold, isn't it? Seasonable for Christmas time. You're not a skater, I suppose. No, no, something else to think of. Well, good morning. Not another word. That was their meeting, their conversation, and their parting. This guy died and nobody cares. Right. Is what we're meant to right. claim. No, no impact. Yeah. There's a part where Scrooge sees where he normally stands. He's not there. He's like, well, Kildare, I wonder where I am. As if we didn't Dude, already know. come on. <laughs> come on. Um, there's another part where people are selling things that they got from the dead man's yeah. corpse. His clothes, his bed um, curtains. Yep. His clothes, his bed curtains. I think his sheets are in there as well. That's gross. You should throw those out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A pencil case, some buttons, a brooch of no great value. There's a character here that's really, really funny. Um, who's like the, the pawnbroker. Right. But, uh, you know, we're going to skip most of it. They sell it and they're like, well, why'd you take this? Because he was an asshole. Okay. <laughs> Spirit uh, says Scrooge. He says, I see that the case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Merciful heavens, what is this? He recoils in terror for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed, a bare uncurtained bed on which, beneath a ragged sheet, there lay something covered up, which, though it was dumb, announced itself in awful language. The room was dark, very dark, too dark to be observed with any accuracy, though Scrooge glanced around it uh, in obedience to a secret impulse, anxious to know what kind of room it was. Scrooge glanced towards the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the head. The cover was so carelessly adjusted that the slightest raising of it, the motion of a finger upon Scrooge's part, would have disclosed the face. He thought of it, felt how easy it would be to do, and longed to do it, but had no more power to withdraw the veil than to dismiss the specter at his side. There's a dirge here about death. Okay. Death sucks. Yep. He lay in a dark, empty house, with not a man, a woman, or a child to say that it was kind. A cat was tearing at the door, and there was a sound of gnawing rats beneath the hearthstone. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me. Let us go. Still, the ghost pointed to the head. You gotta look, man. Yep. Come on. I understand. I, I would do it if I could, but I have not the power. I, I, I have. I can't do it. I want the ghost to just slap him on the back of the head. It's <laughs> like, Psh, do it. If there's any person in town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show that person to me, spirit. I beseech you. The phantom spread its dark robe before him a moment, like a wing, and withdrawing it revealed a room by daylight where a mother and her children were. She was expecting someone with anxious eagerness, for she walked up and down the room, stared at every sound. Started, excuse me, started at every sound, mm-hmm. looked out from the window, glanced at the clock, tried in vain to work with her needle. At length, the long expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and uh, depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, kind of serious delight in which he felt ashamed and which struggled to repress. Is it good or bad? She asks. Bad. We are quite ruined? No, there's a hope yet, Caroline. If he relents, there is. Nothing is past hope if such a miracle has happened. He is past relenting, said her husband. He is dead. What the half-drunken woman whom I told you of last night said to me when I tried to see him and obtain a week's delay, and what I thought was a mere excuse at avoiding me, turns out to have been quite true. He was not only very ill, but dying even then. To whom will our debt be transferred? I don't know. But before that time, we shall be ready with the money. And even though we were not, 
It would be a bad fortune indeed to find so merciless a creditor in his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. Oh, so he's like, we, we owed him a lot of money, but the debt's going to go to someone who's definitely going to be nicer than him. Right, exactly. There can't be anyone worse than this guy. <laughs> yeah. So we can breathe. We'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Scrooge says, let me see some tenderness connected with the death. Or, or, or that dark chamber spirit, which we left just now, will be forever present to me. The ghost inducts him through several streets. Um, they go to another house that he had visited before. Found the mother and children seated around the fire. Quiet. Even the noisy little cratchits were as still as statues in one corner. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. Where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out. As he and the spirit crossed the threshold, why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table and put a hand to her face. The color hurts my eyes, she said. The color. Ah, poor tiny Tim. Well, they're better now. It, it makes them weak by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home. It must be near his time. Peter says it's past it, rather. But I think he walked a little slower than he used for these last few evenings, mother. Tiny Tim's dead. They're grieving. Yeah. 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 Bob Cratchit comes back. He went to church. He, he, or he, no, he didn't go to church. He went, he went to the grave. Right. Paid his respects. Then went upstairs and cried a little bit. Uh, he tells his wife that she's a good wife, and his son says that everybody knows that. Good wife. Good wife. Good Bobo. Strong Bobo. <laughs> they grieve Tiny Tim some more. And Scrooge says, Spectre, something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I don't know how I know it. Who was it under, under that curtain? Who was it who we saw lying dead? The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed to him as before, though at a different time he thought, indeed, there seemed no order in these later visions, save that they were in the future. So there's no timeline here. Right. The spirit did not say anything, but went straight on as to the end just now desired, until besought by Scrooge to tarry for a moment. This court, said Scrooge, through which we hurry now, is where my place of occupation is and has been for a length of some time. I see the house. Let me behold what I shall be in days to come. The spirit stops and the hand is pointed elsewhere. The house is yonder. Why do you point away? The finger underwent no change. The inexorable finger underwent no change, which is a great sentence. The inexorable finger. That's, uh, I'm putting that in my list of band names. Yeah, that's awesome. The inexorable finger. Uh, Scrooge hastened to the window of his office and looked in. It was his office. It was an office still, but not his. The furniture was not the same. The figure in the chair was not him. The phantom points, just as before, to a churchyard. Here and then, the wretched man whose name he was now to learn lay underneath the ground. It was a worthy place, walled in by houses overrun by grass and weeds, no life, no vegetation, choked up with too much burying. A worthy place. Scrooge says, before I draw nearer to that stone at which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or the shadows of the things that may be? Still the ghost points downward to the grave by which it stood. You think you'd figure out that this ghost is a mute? Yeah. <laughs> Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if preserved in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went, following the finger read upon the stone, the neglected grave of his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. There it is. There it is. I would love if just, like, the only thing the ghost says is just, like, toward the end, it's just like, bruh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I that man who lay upon the bed? He cried upon his knees. The finger pointed from the grave and back at him. Scrooge flips. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hear me. Hear me, spirit. I am not the man I was. I will not be. I, I must have... I must have been that man, but for this, <laughs> what? I will not be the man I must have been, but for this intercourse. <laughs> not what it means, but it's what it means. So he's saying after this conversation, I will be a new man. Right. He's I would have been that man, except for you showing me this. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
For the first time, the hand appeared to shake. Oh, he says, why show me this if I'm past all hope? For the first time, the hand appeared to shake. Good spirit, your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I may yet change these shadows that you have shown me. The kind hand... See, this is interesting, because this is the only description we get. The kind hand trembled. Hmm. So it's not evil right. showing him. It, it, it does. Job. It is. It is helping him. Yeah. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I shall not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, he caught the spectral hand and sought to free itself. But he was strong upon his entreaty and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him. Holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. He and woke up. He wakes up. Nice. Stave five, the end of it. We're going to skip through most of this because basically okay. that's the story. Scrooge wakes up a different person. Right. He thanks the spirits. He runs to the window, opens it. There's a boy running past. He says, boy, what day is it? And he's like, my good sir, it is Christmas morning. After saying the, the English slang, walk her. Walk her? Walk her. And then, then he says, go buy me the biggest goose that money can whatever. And he throws him a purse. Yeah. It's a specific goose. Oh, okay. you know that goose? Go, go and get that. And the kid's like, no. He's like, here, take some money. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. People don't do things unless I give them money. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wait. He gives the goose to the Cratchits, but he doesn't tell them. All right. Also, good on that kid for actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for real. <laughs> for actually performing the task. Yeah. Well, he says, he says, um, he says there's more money in it for you if figured, you come back. I figured, yeah. Yeah. He does go to his nephew's house and he pretends to be miserable. Mm, okay. As a little joke in himself. And then he lightens up and he says, he says something to the woman. She says, I have wronged you. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, he is changing. That's good. Yeah. Um, he's a wonderful time. The next day, <laughs> the next day he goes to his office super early. So Cratchit okay. always beats him. Right. But this time you wanted to be there before Cratchit. And Cratchit comes in two minutes late. Oh, okay. You got to play another prank here. So he's going to play another prank. He says, what do you mean by coming in here at this time of day? He says, I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are. I think you are. Step this way, if you please. Bob says, it was only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday. Now I'll tell you what. I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. Uh, Bob flips. Right. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. Wait, uh, wait what? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. We will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Make up the fires and another coal scuttle before you dot an, and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye. Scrooge was better than his word. He did all of it, and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was the second father. Tiny Tim's alive to this day. Sweet. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe, for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset. And knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle their eyes in grins, as have the malady in less attractive forms. If people are going to laugh, let them. Who cares? Right. Exactly. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits. (laughs) 
but lived upon wow but lived upon the total abstinence principle they're just throwing all kinds of Uh, yeah what 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 is that even supposed to mean it's capitalized so it's got to be a thing and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep christmas well if any man alive possessed that knowledge may that be truly said of us and of all of us and so as tiny tim observed god bless us everyone this was first published in 1843 i didn't say that in the beginning that awesome is a christmas carol in prose and that is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, mine too. I really love that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On this show, we have a rating system. You guys know what we're rating. You, I mean, you're listening to our Christmas episode. I'm assuming you, you know what we're doing. Yeah. So, Christmas Kringle, what is your rating for A Christmas Carol? I forgot that was my name. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered it. I remembered it. You did. You did a good job. Um, my, my uh, I think my rating for this is obvious. I said this is one of my favorite books. This is absolutely a hardcover. I would agree. You should own this book in some format. Yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. It is public domain. I downloaded the PDF that I read off of off of the internet, like right. for free. Um, uh, you can you can find it and buy it. You can get it for free. Yeah, it's it's definitely on like Kindle for free. Yeah, there's uh an Audible book that I have that is a Christmas Carol read by Tim Curry. Highly oh recommend. Oh my god. It's really good. I'm going to buy that right it's now. It's really good. That's it's so... like three and a half hours long. Yeah. Fuck. It's so good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would encourage everyone to check out a movie called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Dan Stevens, one of my favorite actors, stars in it. And it's uh, it's such a well done uh, kind of biopic mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. And it's really, really funny. I like when he's talking about his characters and they just show up and interact with them. It's it's really good. No, it's fantastic. But um, thank you for listening this episode. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy. Um, Let's skip the socials and Patreon. Just we wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your holidays. Yeah. Um, We will be taking two weeks off. Yes. So fear not. We will be coming back with another episode. We're not releasing a bonus episode this month because um, we wanted to have a lighter load this month. Right. But we will be making a footnotes public for everybody for free mm-hmm. on our on our public feed. It's weird because it was <laughs> it's a footnotes that I didn't actually take out of a bonus episode. Yeah. I left it in there because I was lazy, but I meant to make it a footnotes. So it will be a footnotes of its own. It's like 13 minutes long. And we'll put that on the Patreon, but we'll also put it on our public feed so right. that it'll be out there. Right. And it's pretty good. I listened back to it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Enjoy yourselves. Take time with your family, friends. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.